This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name's Joris Peels, and welcome to another episode of the 3D Pod, where I'm joined, as always, by Maxwell Bogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Who do we have on the 3D pod today? Well, we have Pat Carey. Uh, Pat Carey is the uh, Vice President of Strategic Growth at Stratasys. And Pat had uh, a longer career in in many different business areas, such as I worked for IBM, he worked for a number of technology companies. And he's been working uh, for over seven years. He spent at Stratasys and uh, he's been in kind of sales and and business development functions. Now he's in charge of strategic growth. So welcome to to the 3D pod, uh, Pat. Good morning. Thank you. Well, Stratasys, like the really exciting thing I think we should start with, obviously, is a couple of years ago, Stratasys was like, well, from the beginning, Stratasys was a material extrusion or FDM company. At one point, you joined up with Objet. You had two technologies and everything was happy. And now you've got got a whole technology portfolio, right? You've got stereolithography. You've got um, uh, got DLP. Uh, you've got FDM now, Objet. Uh, now you've got uh, a, a powder bed fusion technology or a high high uh, a high throughput powder bed fusion technology. So that's a that's a big change, right? You guys have metal? We do not have metal. It's, yeah, huge change. We decided to focus with our, our new CEO Yoav Zayev. We decided to really double down and focus on polymers only because polymers are very different than metals. You know how they work. How you know how you do applications. So. Uh, we decided to focus on polymers and, and to really have all polymers, all polymer technology we wanted to have. And so that's why we have uh, either grown them with partnerships or acquired them in the last couple of years. So it's kind of actually kind of exciting to have everything now and to be able to uh, provide whatever the customer needs to solve their problem. Because first off, the first thing I thought of when you guys started doing this was, it's really exciting for your channel, right? I can imagine a channel guy who has a, a you know a reseller or something like that. He's been pushing you know one technology, maybe one and a half technologies for a decade. All of a sudden, he's got this whole list palette of three D printing. Exactly, right? it's actually more exciting for the customers. <laughs> yes, for the resellers, absolutely. But you think of the customers that that we serve. You know, they're they're trying to buy out and figure out all these technologies. Because no customer just has one technology, no large customer, especially if you think about manufacturing, they don't have, just have one technology. So they're dealing with multiple vendors, multiple service organizations, multiple application engineers, trying to train their people. Um, we have the biggest install base. So the, the, the metaphor I use to explain it is we've got these highways built to these customers. We can put more on those highways. Our competitors have to build new roads, hire new people. So if you think, especially about manufacturing, manufacturing companies are looking for risk reduction and safety. They, they want to know who this company, they're coming in their door with products and services is. So that's our strategy is put more cars on these highways we already have to the major manufacturers. Okay. So that, uh, that makes perfect sense to me. I think it also financially, it makes a lot of sense. You just cross sell to your existing installed base. Yes. Beautiful, right? Um, they trust you already, so they'll trust you again. But then on the downside, you're thinking, wait a minute, we used to have an R&D budget of $40 million that went to two technologies. Now it's going to like five technologies. Are you, is there a risk that you'll stretch yourself too thin on this? It's a good question, Doris. I actually 
have not looked at what our R&D budget is going into next year. I, I assume we have not kept it the same, but I, I don't know, literally. I assume not. I've seen a lot of the individual plans. So we've divided into business units, focus on each technology. Um, and we're going through our 2022 uh, you know, planning process. You know, So we spent this year, 21, really acquiring and integrating these, these companies and the technologies, right? And get bringing them into our channel, training like crazy, printing like crazy. Um, it's a fair question. I actually don't know the answer. But you guys have been staffing up as you've been doing these things, ab right? Ab like, or you're acquiring the staff with these companies as well. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> you just bought a bunch of machines and no one knows what the heck to do. Yeah, it's not like the 80s where you buy companies and tear them apart to make money. No, it's the opposite. Yeah, right. it's the opposite. So, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and, and we're... we're we're staffing toward our, our growth. You know, my, my title is about growth, right? We're trying to grow the company, not, right. not tear things apart. So we're staffing towards our growth numbers, right? Where we're going to go. I just, don't the, I, I just don't know the answer to that specific question. I assume we are. If you're going forward, I mean, so you're saying you're targeting manufacturing, but, um, you know, are there any particular applications or industries you're, if you're focusing or are you focused on everything or what's the what's the well, there, there's a bridge that that we all know about, especially if you look at the two growth technologies right now are DLP and powder diffusion generically. Right. Those are the, the fastest growth technologies. If you look at all the technologies, FDM will continue to grow at a pretty good pace. Polyjet will grow. You know, stereolithography will actually continue to grow. Now there's a little freedom around materials and et cetera. Um, but the two biggest growth technologies, if you look at anybody's, you know, contacts, Terry Wollers, anybody, uh, is powder bed fusion and DLP. And, and those technologies will be mid to low to mid volume competing with injection molding is the, is the area I talk about the most. And, um, and then getting into tooling. You know, we do a ton with tooling with FDM. There's a lot of tooling available we're seeing out of DLP and even serial lithography. So tooling is a huge area of growth that uh, we're exploring with our customers. It's kind of this bridge to manufacturing. When you bring additive onto the... When you say tooling, sorry, do you mean like temporary tooling? Because you guys aren't doing metal, so I'm just... We're, we're talking metal replacement. And then and then low volume, you know, we're seeing a lot of manufacturers switch to lower volume tooling because they're doing lower volume runs. You know, they used to make 3 million of a car. Now they're making 200,000 of a car. Right, because the cars are becoming highly personalized. Right. So, so tooling becomes more temporary, and a lot of the high-end polymers is are just as strong as you know CNC tools and more available. Yeah, I think uh, one thing is I think you touched on a couple of things. I think first off, stereolithography. I remember I was in a meeting in two thousand nine, I think, and there was a bunch of college professors. You know, the people in the know were there. You know people from big uh, aircraft countries. And the only thing we could all agree on is that stereolithography was dead, right? <laughs> and <laughs> so this is 2009, 2009. So that's kind of like, so the, 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 the this is a zombie technology, right? clearly, right? Um, so, so could you explain to us a little bit, like, you know, stereolithography clearly has a future. It's got a new lease on life. Like, what happened? I mean, we thought back in the day that, okay, it didn't have end-use materials. HDT was too low. The strength was too low. It was just like, was it, was it going to stand up to the real You hit world? right on it, George. It's about, it's about materials. You know, when, when, when there tends to be a monopoly, there tends to be a lack of innovation, right? Um, the, the materials that we're seeing come out of stereolithography and DLP, and it's just a wavelength difference, right? 
So the materials can cross that line pretty easily. I mean, we're, we're printing materials here that literally blow my mind. I'm like, and I had the same idea. I'm like, serial lithography, why do we even talk about it? Back, you know, when I started here, now I'm seeing kind of amazing things that we literally can't print any other way and large, large things, you know, so investment casting is a big, as a big application in the U S for stereolithography investment casting of, you know, major metal things. So I call that three it's metal printing with for three, 3d for metal printing. So it's enabling metal, right? It's the helper. Yeah. The cast, right. And a very, very complicated cast that you would blow your mind if you could see them. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're casting that airplane engine that way. Right. So is, is Stratus's growth, um, solely focused on manufacturing side of things, or do you guys see a path to, I don't want to say retail, but uh, to some other channels of, uh, of growth? That's a good question. We, you know, we, we just announced this Adobe partnership last week, you know, so Adobe Painter, which is an amazing technology, able to print directly from it. If you look at our PolyJet technology, there's a couple announcements the last couple of years. The one I like to talk about the most is packaging. So able to print excruciatingly fine detail out of the printer. So, I mean, I was showing some of us at the rapid show and it, it was a, it was a, it was a, a consumer package that had like an ingredient label on the back, like you'd see on any ingredient. And it was totally readable. It looked, it looked people like, well, where's the real one? Oh, is this the real one? Where's the 3d printed one? I'm like, no, this is the real one. So we're seeing, new markets open up for prototyping and it's, it's, it's prototyping, but it's not prototyping as we think about a, a white thing that kind of looks like what you want to make. It's literally, I call it hyper-realistic. So we're, we're seeing, that's why we're working on things like the Adobe partnership. So there's people that are developing stuff in AR and VR for products, new products. And, I, and if you can hit print and it comes out identically, that's not possible till right now. So that's a huge market in in what we would look down on as prototyping, but that's a huge market in, we call it design packaging. And if you know the packaging market, it's a trillion dollar market. Everything comes in a package. And so that's, you know, we, we classify it as classic prototyping, but it's a whole new area of prototyping growing. It's not going to grow as fast as manufacturing. It's not as big a market as manufacturing. But we are developing products for that as well. The, the, the other problem with that is like, you know, the, the main play you have there is like you've got color, right? But, Correct. Color, um, texture. A lot of, yeah. Yeah, it's color, texture, and multiple material, right? But it's really expensive per, per kilo, like the item, right? Is that because like you could also just get somebody to paint the object, right? So, so where, where, I don't know. I don't, but where is the, where's the advantage then of just, like, just using it in that way? Time is money. So talking to a customer, customer I know called me the other day and he, he, he owes somebody a prototype and his, his classic, you know, hand, hand prototype guy says, well, I can't get, I can't get to this till January. He owes a prototype next week, right? He says, now's, now's the time, I think the time we talk that, right? So time is money. So able to take steps off of your product development process, you know, for your product developer, getting your product in the hands of your your customer, your customer, maybe it may be in your own company or maybe, you know, you're serving a company. We're seeing that's the big advantage. You can take eight, 12, 16 weeks. Yeah, they're hand painting stuff, but they're hand painting it in another country usually. And it, you know, it's stuck on a boat somewhere. I mean, we're seeing this supply chain drama really push this kind of prototyping. People say, I want it. I want it now. If I kind of get it tomorrow, yes, I can get it tomorrow full color. Have you seen a direct like increase in overall sales as a result of 
the pandemic and the supply chain failure? Yes. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice, easy answer. So. <laughs> So on the, on the object, I think I think there is a niche out there that, that really finds that in packaging and, and, and prototyping. And then, so in stereolithography, I, on the one hand, I love RPS. I'm a huge RPS fan, so I thought it was great that you guys bought RPS and integrated them. And how are you going to compete? Because I love RPS machines. They run really fast. They, they're really accurate. They're, 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 and they're, they're quite big, right? Um, but how are you going to take that to, to customers? What's going to be the distinguishing factor against like all the other people competing in stereolithography? Well, in, in the U.S., we don't have such a big number of com- competitors as you do in Europe. So, um, and there's a lot of very large um, stereolithography install bases. I'm thinking I'm U.S. guy, right? So I think U.S. only. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of very large install bases out there of very very old machines that are unlocked, right? And as they look to replace those, they want to have an unlocked machine because you know these manufacturers have dialed in a material. And they're, they're printing on that material for literally, I'm talking to guys with 20, 25 year old machines and they've dialed in a process and say, I, I'm not changing the process because some vendor forces me. Right. If you can enable me to continue that process on a brand new machine that prints three times better is amazing. And that service guy who's servicing those FDM machines next to it, who I know, I know his kids and his, you know, what kind of car he drives, that's the guy who's going to service this. That's what I want. So that, that's a huge amount of business, uh, out there for us to take and, and we're experiencing that uh quite quite it's actually quite scary hmm. a good way yeah. in a good way in a good way <laughs> it's like how fast can we run right I, well i can uh, only turn up the i can only turn up the treadmill so fast right <laughs> but then again okay then we're looking at like okay i'm uh you know sven you're uh your 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 business partner for 20 years i've been servicing fortis machines and all of a sudden, I have to be trained on all these technologies. That's going to be quite the burden for me as a reseller, for, for you guys to train all these people. How are you tackling that? Well, we, that's, we've literally spent the last... I, I, I manage training in the Americas as well. It's under me. We spent the last year on that, and it's been the... So, so COVID's been really good for us, in a way, because we've been training people, and they've been a- able to go. So, you know, normal sales guys, like I, I can train on Friday between two and four, right? Because I'm on the road in an airplane driving around. We kind of had a captured market for a year. So it's actually been really lucky, right? So these, and, and think about if you're if you're a reseller and, you, you know, you're competing out there and you see these startups coming in, these other companies coming in, you're like, I wish I could have part of that pie because that same customer I'm serving wants me to sell more to him, right? So the, the, the resellers have been ex- ecstatic it's but it was a big i I call this the pig in the python project right we got to get this thing through in a year uh and we have done an amazing job of training it's the the reception of the team is of the resellers has been amazing our internal team has been amazing so we've gone through all the sales and training and now we're doing what we call hands-on training so i had a set of resellers here in the building uh doing stereolithography training this week so hands you know application engineers hands in resin doing printing so we spent a year on it. We knew we had a year, and it's been very successful. Okay. And then another thing you said that really intrigues me is that you said, okay, the two technologies are growing their fastest is, well, it's DLP mentioned as one of them. So why is DLP, why do you think DLP is slated for so much growth? Because to me, it's just like, and I usually with customers, like you'll, you'll go into a, a kind of a, you know, they, they want to do like a beauty parade of technologies or something. 
And then I could say, hey, what's your process? And if they want to do things desk side, they'll probably end up to choosing DLP. And if they want to do things industrial, they'll probably go with SLA. So I don't really differentiate between the technology. I tell customers, like, forget it. Don't don't bother, right? Because it's, it's, you're probably going to want to trial both, and it depends on, on, on your individual geometry. But, um, but you know, why do you think DLP is such such a such an exciting technology? It's all again back to the materials. So the the ability to adopt new materials is amazing. The the speed of it, right? So Origin was our acquisition. We and we were friends with Origin before, right? We knew Origin really well. We did some projects together, um, and their ability to bring on new materials in weeks rather than in years. And, you know, we have a lot of experience in stereolithography because with Stratasys Direct, as we've been doing stereolithography for 30 years, right? So we have a ton of experience in stereolithography, which is most outsiders wouldn't think Stratasys would have all that, but we have a huge bank of SL machines, right? So we're watching this like- A long time ago. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at this like, wow, that, you know, because we have to bring in a material, characterize it. It, it sometimes takes six, seven, eight months. And this is happening in weeks. And we're, so- and then to have the to have the power of the Henkels and the BASFs and the DSM Covestros, you know, working on Origin, and we're seeing all this, and, and then we're getting into it, and like, this is powerful. And new materials that didn't ex- literally don't exist, right? They're inventing new materials for DLP, and DLP is digital, right? Like, SAF is digital as compared to laser based, so your ability to control the light and the and the processing is amazing because it's digital, right? So those are a couple of things we're seeing, and it and it's proving out. I have a, I have all the machines here in the building, and we've been playing with them, you know, for a year. And what we can print in DLP is it, it blows my, it literally blows my mind. What's what's the most innovative or interesting material that you're seeing coming out in this really short period of time? I. I <laughs> or can you not? Can you not say? Me? Sorry. No, I can't. I, I'm. I'm uh, I don't. I don't have it memorized. Oh no, no. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. I just. Or then, what are the properties that you're seeing that you you feel like have been hard to obtain in the past that that are really transformative in your mind? Parts that parts that can go on airplanes right away. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time, um, and I was, you know, kind of in a you know, part of the team, an extended part of the team on the original Airbus deal we did back in 1415, where we we started to put parts on planes to talk about it, certified parts, right? And that was br- grueling, brutal, right? And and then Origin comes along, and all of a sudden, they have part, they're putting parts on planes. So we're like, what? Is that fa-? That's not fair. Is that right? legal? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, and it was because the material properties were there. They were certifiable. It's like, wow. Wow. So us comparing to that was like, that's unbelievable. So there, so there, so to me, that's, that's a big bar. Like, holy cow, they can do that. They can develop a material, get it to print and have it have, you know, airplane, you know, air, you know, airplane companies, you know, this is mostly military, but have them put it on planes and say, yeah, this is the right, this, this goes through all of our tests that kind of blew our minds. Okay. And, and so tell us a little bit more about SAF because that's like, it's HSS is where it was used to be called HSS or something similar used to be called HSS. So what is SAF exactly and why is it so important? Well, yeah, HSS is the patent that Neil Hopkins had had, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's the patent. So we can refer back to that and a couple of technologies are based on that. Uh, ours is kind of the next generation version of that. Um, 
So it's, so like I said earlier, it's digital. So uh, the ability to control things and then the ability to control the light and the processing, because it's all about, you know, powder. So it's all about thermal control and warping and how close can you nest the parts and all that. That's, that's the trick. And then the more, the better I can nest the parts, the more parts I can get out quickly. So, so, so that's, you know, so SAF is, SAF is that it's digital light. You know, today, Nylon 11, we're announcing, we announced Nylon 12, I think. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, so in the nylons, we'll extend those materials, but the ability to control the thermal process and the ability to control the powder is kind of the basis of SAF as we look towards the future. Okay, but is it, is it faster? Is it cheaper? How, how does it work out? Like for I don't know, kilo, kilo of built parts or number of parts I can produce? I can... It's, it's cheaper and competes with injection molding. And that's what gets us into manufacturing. It's parts cost, right? But I, I, give me an idea of that. I know this is different stupid question but, but, but it's like, uh, always <laughs> <laughs> yes i agree <laughs> i was with the customer yesterday that's doing injection molding and then we looked at sls we looked at somebody else's technology and we looked at our technology and and we were we were more than able to compete with injection molded parts so okay that's, and that's where the customer wants to go because they want to go high throughput they want to be flexible not have tooling etc when you say that though, like, do you, are these, is this like a specific range? Like it has, it needs to be, you know, at least this big or, and made of XYZ material or something of that nature to make that Correct. work? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're limited to the nylons right now and it's not giant parts, but it's, it's, you know, if you're doing 10,000 or something to build a tool for a small intricate part is brutal. Yeah. And then how do you depreciate that cost? You know, and then you, you maybe you say, I wanted to do a run of 10,000, you get to 5,000 and say, you know, this thing's not really working. And then all of a sudden you're double depreciating because you're doing another, and then you're waiting for eight weeks to get the other mold CNC. You know, that's, that's the world we're in is this high throughput, massive turnover. And that's what the world has become. You know, I, I would say everything's become an iPhone. I want it to be changed now. Right. And that's the consumers are driving that and the, and the companies aren't competing or losing market share and the, the companies that can change over quickly. And that's what we're enabling. And that's what this customer was very interested in. Like, you can just change that over? Yeah, sure. And then, so if we're looking at the, the, the SAF thing, is there an ideal customer for that? Is there like, you know, is it a car company that's doing mass customization? Or what's the ideal customer? For that? Yeah, car company, consumer goods, consumer electronics, you know, high, you know, people that are introducing a lot of new products, high turnover, you know. Um, but automotive by far, right? Because, you know, every car, I say every car has become an iPhone. Right. So if you, you know, can customize on the line, essentially, like where you have correct. printers in the factory and then you're just taking the part out for that car. Right. You're, yeah. you're doing 200 or something. Right. You could never make a tool for that. No. Yeah. And medical device, to be honest, we're seeing medical device come into it uh, as well. Off of medical data, like like almost like a, a hip. Let's use a hip as an example um, that you're the doctor is saying like, I scan their hip and this is how it needs to look. And I only need one or two. Is that no, what you envision? No, inside or? the body. It's, it's devices. A so device is external. Body. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Outside the body, which again, consumer electronics meets medical devices, kind of the world we're living in right now. Yeah. And again, a lot of startups, a lot of high throughput, a lot of turnover, even the big companies are doing it. So, so that I need a hundred of those. Right. And they're high end part. Right. High, you know, good finish painted, you know, whatever, but I only need a hundred. When I was materialized, we had a we had an object machine, and uh, Freed 
when Kron, the CEO of Materialized once showed me the back of the object machine where it was draining out fluid every time you start it. It would drain out like a couple of milliliters, like 50, 30 milliliters of the of the, the material, right? The resin. It was called this. You would say, "This is the this is the object." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so at the time, Albiet itself, and then later on, Stratus as well, was very much kind of controlled. You know, the story was always like, "Hey, use our material because it works best for our machines." Now we're moving into manufacturing. If you're looking at like you know several thousand or something, or really using something for manufacturing. You know, you want to be more free as a manufacturer. You want multiple machines, you want multiple material vendors. Some people are required to have like two or three material vendors if you really do um, manufacturing. So, are you? And it seems like you guys are evolving with like material alliances, allowing, giving people more freedom to to open up their machines or to choose. That's absolutely material. correct. Yeah. So we're 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 opening up. You know, with Origin and RPS acquisition, we inherited third party. Uh, we were already working on it internally, to be honest, uh, with staff as well, I should say. So yeah, you'll 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 see us open us open more and more because it is a requirement for new market. You know, for for prototyping, we we needed to control the entire end to end process, especially polyjet is so complicated, right? So we needed to control that. Now, as we enter manufacturing, as you said, you know, I need these widgets in this material, right? That's because it becomes part of somebody's product that their brand is associated with. So we have to support that. So yes, that's that's where we're all headed, and it's it's really you know exciting for some of us to have the power of these companies with tens of thousands of chemists working in them. You know, these are giant companies. To have the power of that behind us now, uh, it, it is quite quite exciting. Yeah, I, I told a customer I was advising the other day. I said, "You're not going to out polymer BSF." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. no, yeah, that's very true. Hey, let's make a better like you know, let's make a better like uh, you know, PA twelve than bond. You know, it's it's, it's not gonna happen. They've been doing this for. It's not gonna happen. Doing this you know, I got these three guys in the back drawers. Yeah. They, can, they can they can totally do it, right? You know. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's that you see you're you're seeing that you know you'll see more and more of those kind of announcements roll out from us to say you know, but it's obvious we're doing it with Origin, RPS, and and SAP. Yeah, and also I think what's also interesting, I think of the things you guys are announcing, you seem to be like the GrabCAD thing. You know, first you acquired GrabCAD with a community of engineers. Now it became a software package. You've also got Thingiverse. And you seem to be kind of moving more into the software space. Yes, and we just, you know, so we're, we're building ecosystems because to go into a manufacturing floor, you need to be able to connect. Right. It's not, you know, we put a prototyping machine somewhere. It sits in the corner. It's kind of standalone. It's got a some post-processing device next to it, whatever your process is. Right. But it was standalone. But we're going out of the factory floors. So we need to connect. Uh, we need to we need to take data in, give data out. Um, and that's really important. So it's interesting, you know, embracing Industry 4.0. And we're seeing GradCAD. We saw we have some announcements right now around the ecosystem we're building, all the partners that we're working with to build those systems. You know, the big one I've been working with a lot lately is Link3D, another one's Entopology. We're also building wor workflow ecosystems. You saw the Adobe announcement, right? So so what's coming in? We had the Keyshot announcement earlier this year. So what's coming in? What's going out? We need these better workflows. And each, each technology of ours has different workflows because they serve different applications. So we're building a couple of ecosystems, one of partners, software partners, and another of this, what I call connectivity, 
So how do we connect to the factory floor? How do we give an, e, an e, MES, an ERP, a PLM, all these systems we have to connect to? They want to know data from these machines and they want to store that data and interact and, and even know what the, how, what's the health of the machine. So you're starting to see all that come from us. And that's, and to me, I really, I'm really pushing. So what are the standards? You know, do we inherit standards, IEEE standards? Do we develop standards? So we're trying to be the leader that way as well. It's, it's, it's interesting because if we look at it in a, you know, you, you said like, you know, it used to be you had an ambient machine, you had a water jet next to it, right? You take out the gunky gel stuff and we're right. done, right? But now we've got processing. If we're looking at like, we actually make the geometry on the machine, the part is made in post-processing. Especially if we're looking at things like surfacing technologies and shop beating and, 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 and anything that resurfaces something, we're going to get a different part that out of that machine. And, and it might shrink or all sorts of things that happen. So doesn't that mean Correct. you guys, like it's very logical to assume you guys would either need to play really well with post-processing or would invest in post-processing to go that way? Correct. So right now we're, we're, we're do, working on partnerships. You saw the one we're doing with Dimension around staff, you know, and they're a, a cool, they're a fun, cool company. They're culturally, we fit each other really well. So we have a lot of fun together, but they're developing machines with control, Siemens controllers in them, right? So, everything's going to start to get connected and that's those. So we can't do it all ourselves. Why are you seeing a lot of partnering and, and the industry, you know, if we're going to speed the industry up, we, we're not going to do it all ourselves. Nobody's going to do it all themselves. Right. If you look at any classic tech industry, this is what happens. We develop IP, we, we get to a certain level and all of a sudden we need to, we, we can't go any faster. We need to partner. So post-processing is a big area. I think that a big area of development for a lot of people. Oh, I told it's also a big area of like what I always keep saying is we don't have any systems integrated. If you want to do a shoe sole factory, right, you want to make a million shoe soles a year, you're going to have to build that thing yourself, right? There's nobody you can go to and say, hey, you know what? Uh, give me one factory, please, or one line designs. People, it was interesting. I had a meeting this week uh, with a systems integrator. So people are, and, and these are, you know, I hate to say small, but they're not big names you would know. But um, this one was from Detroit. He's building a lot of uh, manufacturing cells for for automotive, and he's getting he's like he's starting to integrate additive into those cells. So it's going to be part of a cell, usually connected to robotics, right? So we're starting to see that that request, that demand, that 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 come, and we're having a lot of discussions on how do we start connecting our machines to robotics and and even putting robotics into post processing. Do you, you envision a, a future where? A robotic arm is lifting it out of the SLA machine and sticking it into the bath and then continuing down the line, so to speak. Like soon. Sorry, I, what I meant by that is like when, what, what, is, what is your vision of timeline for that? Well, real time. So it's happening in dental oh, okay. right now. If you think about the aligner business, the aligner business is a lot of robotics in it. Um, so starting, it's happening in one industry, one application. Um, and I'm not in every conversation here right, by far, no. right? But I'm in a lot of conversations on it. So that when I'm seeing it come to my level and I'm talking to a lot of people about it, I'm having meetings and workshops on it. I'm like, it, it, it's coming. So SLA, DLP are the two I've had the most conversations around lately. Um, SAF will come. It's just because, you know, we haven't, we've only got betas right. out there. We don't have a lot of SAF out there yet. But it will come as well. I believe for a lot of manufacturing applications, I believe in like two things. Uh, one is a low-cost service bureau. So instead of like uh, having one big uh, printer, I have a hundred smaller desktop-sized printers. And for a lot of parts, I have a really high-speed, incredibly low-cost way to, to make a lot of parts. 
And I also believe that in an automated way, for some parts, that's actually a really viable manufacturing solution. So, and that's a very different way of looking at, like, part really large systems, let's say. So, you know, and you guys could theoretically do that as well with your, your entry-level type system. Or is that something you don't believe in? So. Well, it's all about scale. It's all about scale. You know, one, how much, how many materials can I load into it? Do I need some of their loading materials? I've done a couple of projects like that. Where like, it, it made sense. We're two, kind of doing, you know, roughly desktop area type printers. And then, you know, banks of those. But then it ended up being, well, that was cool. But now I've got a guy standing there loading materials all day. <laughs> right? That's not helpful. Right. So, 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 so we're back to the large, you know, materials, um, containers, systems, pumping, et cetera, as a way to, you know, more automated, especially now with, you know, labor being gone when nobody has labor anymore, people. Um, so we're back to the big ones and, and on service bureaus, you know, there's an interesting thing going on there between the service bureaus are kind of dividing between the classic, you know, I can make five of these to the, where, where service bureaus meets contract manufacturing. That's an interesting area as well. As people are scaling up their service bureaus to be production service bureaus, you know, it's, it's kind of contract manufacturers are getting back, you know, coming down into it. There's an interesting area in there as well that I think will help additive go faster. All right. and, and, and Pat, where do you want to be? Like if you're looking at five years into the future, where do you want to be or where do you want Stratasys? More, I, I think the manufacturing thing is very interesting to me. We, we want... Uh, I always say parts on cars, parts on planes, right? We want we want to get more parts out there um, on these devices to you know to prove it out. Drive materials production, uh, drive our service bureau business, drive printer business. So that's you know I think we're all heading in the right direction. I think it's pretty obvious where we're going. There'll be a lot of hurdles getting there around you know technology, you know IT te classic IT technology where OT meets IT. You know, this is where we're going to be. And then the, the standards are going to come in for manufacturing. As we, as we put more, more parts on these, on these transportation devices, there's going to be more standards, more things driven down to us. Isn't this? So that, that'll be fun and interesting. Totally. Hey, Pat, thank you so much for being on the 3D Pod today. Cool. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Good conversation. And Max, thank you for being there. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pat, it was lovely to meet you. And thank you for listening. My name is Joris Spiels. This is another episode of the 3D Pod. Have a nice day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.